Welcome to a conversation of change with Dr. Jen Fram, where we talk all things leadership, change, and transformation. And hello, everybody. It is Dr. Jen Fram here again with another Conversations of Change. Um, for the listeners out there, again, this is one that we're experimenting with and doing it a little bit differently and videoing it um, so that you can find it on YouTube where we've been putting the Only Forward podcasts. But the, the reason for coming together in this episode was a couple of episodes ago, maybe three or four, I spoke with you about exploratory leadership. And as part of that, I got a number of questions after that, which was really about, you know, tell us more about it and how are we operationalizing exploratory leadership in organizations. Um, and those of you who are with me in my social channels, so Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter, will be aware that I've partnered with Gillian Riley of Antikara Frontiers to, to deliver a number of exploratory expeditions, which will really be around the framework of exploratory leadership. So to unpack that, I thought the best way I could do that was to bring Gillian into a conversation and also one of our former Conversations of Change guests, the extraordinary Celine Schillinger, one of the most downloaded set of episodes. And um, Celine is known to both Gillian and I and, you know, pretty much one of the role models that we think of when we think about exploratory leadership. So this is going to be um, probably about a 20-minute conversation where we just unpack a number of the concepts. But to start with, Celine, welcome back. Tell us what you've been doing since you uh, we last spoke to you on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Jen. It's great to see you again. Uh, of course, I never lose track of uh, of what you do and say, uh, thanks to social media. But it's been ages. It feels like ages since we last talked. Because in the meantime, I left the big uh, corporation. I I stayed uh, for I stayed with uh, seventeen years, and I launched my own business. Uh, very very happy to to be helping more companies now with engagement leadership. So I help uh, organizations of all sizes mobilize their stakeholders, mobilize their employees or mobilize their external stakeholders um, around a, a cause or in service of the business. My last work was with the British police. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I, I yeah, get to uh, intervene into very, very different type of uh, fields, which is uh, absolutely exciting. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's related so to exploration. Tell me, because you're way too humble, the name of the business is... Oh, it's We Need Social. We the Need name, Social. Used to be the name of, yeah, used to be the name of my blog and it's now the name yeah. of uh, my business. Okay, so people are looking for you. They can find you on weneedsocial.com. Absolutely. Correct. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Gillian Riley, welcome to the podcast. Tell us, are you, what are you doing here? Why am I working with you? What's going on? Why are you working with me? I think you're working with me because we both are interested in helping individuals and teams to kind of realize their full sense of potential. Um, Antakara means frontier in Sanskrit. I started it in 2018 with the intention of really helping, as I said, individuals and then groups to 
to go to those frontier places in their lives and in their work, the place that's calling them, the place that excites them, the place that also scares them. So how do we help people to really unlock their own sense of possibility and talent and their values and their artistry in order to go to those most interesting edges in their lives? Um, it's all about experiential learning. And I think that's what you and I are, are doing together and are going to talk a little bit more about today, which is how do we create experiences where people start to tap into the very, very best of themselves. I'm super excited to be working with you on that and specifically around the concept of exploratory leadership, because I think that leaders right now under the kind of pressure that they're under uh, really need to kind of leverage their own resourcefulness as much as possible. So um, excited to be looking ahead to ways that we can offer this kind of support to people going through what is obviously an incredibly interesting and challenging time in the yeah, world today. Absolutely. And your background in, in the change sphere, that was more around social change that brought you to this space? Absolutely. Um, so I've worked across Africa and the developing world um, providing support, uh, organizational support and individual support to mostly nonprofits. Um, and my background I, is, is largely focused on, as you say, helping uh, groups focused on health, HIV AIDS, women's empowerment. And that was a pretty intense uh, <laughs> classroom, if you will, around human behavior change and how do we help people to confront some of their biggest challenges. And at the same time, how do we help them to really tap into their own uh, capabilities in doing that? So everything I learned through a lifetime of that on the ground work has informed the, the approach of Antakara. Yeah, fantastic. And and the lovely nexus um, here as to why the three of us are here together was I met you through Celine. So Celine wrote about one of your fabulous courage camps in Avignon. And I was like, I need to do this. I need to do this. And sadly, um, you know, I was booked to do it, but illness got in the way, but we connected at that point. So Celine, you're the one who actually brought Gillian and I together. I love that. I absolutely love making connections. <laughs> it's good. It's good. So let's start with this broad term, exploratory leader or exploratory leadership. Celine, perhaps if I can start with you, what does that term mean to you in context of perhaps your career or your life or broadly? Yeah, you know, when I... When I think about this, actually, I thought about it yesterday. I was in the train, and um, the first idea that came to my mind was the memory of that person who joined the company, uh, the Sanofi, when I, the same time as me, uh, in 2001, the same day. So we were together in this uh, newcomer, you know, uh, meeting, and it's now 19 years after. I left two years ago, and this person is still doing the same job. And and it doesn't mean that um, it doesn't mean that she's lesser, you know, not as good as me, or she's she's of a lesser worth at all. It doesn't mean that at all. But it means we chose different paths, 
And my path is really marked by exploration, by doing different things, by trying different things, by it's been really the the common thread, I would say, across all my, my professional life, probably, uh, while others choose specialization, which is good. I mean, we need specialists. But um, if you have an organization entirely run by specialists, uh, then you have people thinking in, in their own sort of kind of narrow uh, world, if you wish, which is not adapted to the diversity, the complexity, the speed of change of the world today. So we need more people um, working with those specialists, but able to cross boundaries, able to, to connect different worlds. Um, you could speak of neo-generalists as, yes. uh, as per the, the famous book we've all read, but um, you can also talk about exploratory leadership, going beyond you know, some like boundaries that are familiar, reassuring, testing new things. It's dangerous, it's, not, it's uncomfortable. Very often when I was about to change direction, I was asked, I was challenged, I, was, uh, I couldn't explain what I was doing. The, the consistency is often retrospective, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but there is one, you know, it is possible. Uh, but the, it's such a, an amazing, like, fuel energy, you know, to, to, the, it gives this sense of uh, continuous growth, uh, which is, to me, the, <clears throat> the essence of life, you know, being alive. Yeah. Fantastic. Jill, what's your thoughts on the term? What does it mean to you in context of your world? Mm, I want to I wanna pull on that thread of path carver um, because that's really, for me, the essence of it. And I really think about it in, in a sort of imagining myself as an explorer because I think we all have some visualisation or some reference point on, for that term of that person who set off, um, driven by a desire to go to some place that had yet to be visited, to do that thing that had yet to be done. Um, as you described, Celine, to kind of cross out of the familiar into the unknown, not just for the sake of it, um, but in pursuit of a sense of possibility that maybe there's a better way. Right. Um, And that growth that you described, Celine, that just keeps fueling that journey. So for me, um, in terms of my own life, that requirement to do that and that desire to do that, as you described, to keep going into new places, whether those are geographic or interpersonal or, you know, technical and ideas based or project based, that kept nudging us and edging us towards uh, something better, obviously. I mean, that's why we do it in work, because it's more impactful, because it's more efficient, whatever. Um, And what are the capabilities to do that? Um, The courage, the the clear decision-making, the continued growth and learning curation. Um, I think there's a real specific mindset that drives that and enables that over time. And the reality um, of this year is that it's something that we all need right now. I don't think we have the luxury um, to not have an element of that within our own sort of toolkit as a leader, if you will. So, 
yeah, path carving into new places that sort of continue to drive our growth and and our collective betterment. Mm-hmm. What about I, you, Jen? What, yeah, what does it I, mean I, for you? Yeah, it was. This was a really interesting question for me um, because when I went dug into this, I realised that a lot of what I would have described my exploratory leadership personally was subconscious or unconscious. It certainly wasn't deliberate. Um, and for me, where I see its value of exploratory leadership, um, it's not about turning everybody into exploratory leaders. It's about diversity. And mm. so you talked about the specialist mindsets in organisations and, and I think about the leadership teams that I work with and I think they actually need one or two of them to be exploratory in intent and to have, you know, the... And, and I actually, I almost feel like it would be, um, it would be very difficult to have a whole team of exploratory leaders, um, <laughs> you know, because if, if you think, gosh, what would that mean for the community that they're trying to lead? Mm-hmm. Um, it would be quite chaotic. So I think there's something in this for me around sometimes it's just an attribute that we go, if we put on our exploratory hat for the day, how would we deal with this problem? Mm-hmm. Or if we have to hire into this leadership team, mm-hmm. we look at the composition, it's probably time we bring in someone who asks those kind of questions kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So that's where, where I see it coming into play. Yeah. yeah. While breeding this small uh, exploratory leadership, uh, I mean, this le- exploratory leadership mindset in everybody so that even the specialists are not, uh, I mean, uh, can, you know, open up to new ideas, ideas coming from different worlds, um, can accept, you know, cross-fertilization with very different uh, environments or so it's um, yes, bringing in having a diversity of people with different mindsets, but also cultivating the curiosity and courage to mm-hmm. explore, uh, even in um, the most traditional types of functions or leaders. That would be helpful. And I think. If we tap into what Jill said about, you know, this current condition is why it's really needed, if you think about how many times people talk about we're living in unprecedented times, like, right, this, uh, this pandemic, the, you know, um, the, the energy behind Black Lives Matter, um, what's happening at nation-state level in terms of political systems, the environment, climate change, it is all unprecedented. And so I think to an extent we probably got away for quite some time without the need for exploratory leaders. Mm. But once we start using unprecedented as our adjective of daily choice, I don't know. I I feel this. And I think think it's an interesting point to look at sort of uh, different... um, different people and how this might fit, if you will, or how they might express it in their own way. So obviously one of the limitations of recalling the explorers of, of before is there's a, a connotation of bold expansiveness. You know, you've got to be the rogue 
kind of, you know, with your big sword going out onto the high seas. And there are some people who go, well, wait a second, that's not me. You know, actually, mm -hmm. I, I like to, you know, sit quietly at my desk and sort of live in a, in a different kind of world, a more contained world of ideas. And, and I think that what's required right now is for people to go, you know, wide and for people to go deep, mm -hmm. for people to be exploratory um, interpersonally, mm -hmm. uh, in conversations, um, you mentioned, you know, like Black Lives Matter, an exploratory approach to conversations around diversity, around gender that don't, that move beyond the binary into mm -hmm. some new spaces. So I think that the opportunity that we have is, is to begin to understand that this curiosity and courage and learning approach that, that we're referencing is one that will be articulated by different people in different ways, some of whom will lead people, you know, on, on big, bold journeys into new places. And for other people, it'll be a deep dive into, you know, new kinds of intimate conversations or new kinds, new ways of looking at, um, you know, specific ideas. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it has been very uh, difficult in organizations for the last, um, I don't know, decades or so, because uh, under the influence of, um, um, of modern management methods or modern <laughs> invented in the beginning of the 20th century, uh, um, our organizations have been run by less by pioneers and, um, and explorers, but more by engineers and and finance uh, specialists, and it, it was all about control and um, being um, uh, being very yeah very much in control of how things would unfold, and it was about rationality, leaving emotions at the door, and what maybe COVID uh, opens up as possibilities is that it has shaken a lot of certainties about work and how work. Should to be done, etc. So, some uh, some things that will grow from that are not great. Uh, I'm fearing uh, disconnection and and tensions and frictions between people uh, because of the absence of contacts. But on the other hand, it, it may open up to possibilities of you know rethinking, being being uh, fully. I mean, full persons uh, in the work, not just brains. Those kind of things. So. There's um, hope, I think. I, I think there's a lot of hope. Um, yeah. and, and I guess that's behind this program that we're bringing forward, right, because mm. we see Big Bounds as being this space for transformational growth, and you talked about it with your definition of exploration leadership, the, the possibility of, of greater change and, and the same thing there. Can I just pause on that concept of the Big Bound or the Big Leap, the transformational growth opportunity is there something that you can share that comes to mind of you know the big bounds you've taken in your career and how that ties into the explorer's mindset um mm -hmm. you know where you've had to leverage more more experiences and and talent and skills than yeah. the normal the bau yeah so i 
took a, a number of big bounds. Uh, I made a, a, some of, a few of them in my career. The first one really took place when I was 23 and I moved to Vietnam, uh, not knowing the country, not speaking the language, not, having, not even having a job. Um, and I settled in a Vietnamese family with, for six months and started to learn the language and f- looked for a job there. It was a very, very different experience. And I f- eventually stayed four years in Vietnam. And it was extremely fulfilling. It was fantastic, a, a wonderful opportunity for growth, um, both um, from a professional perspective but much more from a personal perspective but then at some point I felt you know I don't want to be the person of a single experience I don't want to be a boring grandmother one day you know telling everybody about my Vietnam experience you know I wanted to have a diversity of things so that I I wouldn't be stuck in my own I mean, this would not be the single element to define my identity. I wanted more, uh, and I, and you know, when you when you take a first bound, a first big leap, you don't know what's 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 expecting you. So you can do it. You know, you can be fearless. The second time is more difficult because you know what's the you know how how hard it is to be isolated, to be far from your friends, to be in an unknown place, to eat uh, very strange food. Uh, you know, and um, but this is where it becomes really interesting because then it's not just uh, you know by chance. Uh, it's it's an intention. It's a real, and you can build on that because you can build this muscle of uh, it's not reducing fear, but it's uh, embracing it really and making it a friend. <laughs> uh, so this so after Vietnam, I took another job um, in France and then another one in China. So not knowing China, not knowing the the field of work, having to manage a big team. And then after that, I moved to back to France, joined uh, HR in a big pharma company, not knowing pharma at all, not knowing HR at all. And uh, and then during my time in, in pharma, I launched, um, I, I got involved into movements and social media, not knowing at all anything about that. And then two years ago, the last big leap I took was to leave the corporate world and launch my own business, not and for the whole you know time before i had been absolutely certain i wouldn't be able to have a business to to run my own thing um so um, and i don't know what's the next one will be but i, I hope this wasn't the last for sure <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, can i just check the motivation what motivated you if you think about those big bounds oh yeah um, there's this sense of excitement for a new uh, adventure. It takes me, it, it's, it overwhelms me and I can't resist. Basically, when, when I have this opportunity to do something different, do something new, um, like when I was invited to join the quality department uh, at Sanofi, not knowing anything about quality, uh, I felt, wow, you know, this is amazing. This is I, I am. I feel so lucky. I am honestly. I'm very privileged that all those uh, possibilities have, uh, at some point, showed up in my life. I also created that, of course, by being open and and being even on the look for, for like making those connections with different worlds. But um, yeah, instead of uh, instead of. Um, uh, re- retracting myself into my comfort zone. Uh, it's, uh, 
I find it just too exciting. It's like a drug for me. <laughs> Interesting. Because when I was, again, thinking about this in the big bounds, I and I think I've had four big leaps and mm. maybe my normal steps are bigger than most, but four that felt were big leaps for me and two of them were geographic. So, you know, leaving hometown, moving to big city, moving from one big city to another big city, um, moving out of academia into launching my own business. And when I think about all three of those, they were really strongly motivated by pain. I just oh. couldn't stand it anymore. Oh. And the pain was so great. Oh. It was, you know, had to do, and that's a very traumatic way of talking about it, but, mm. you know, it, it wasn't about an exciting future. The fourth big bound that I think about that I have had was really much more the excitement, the mm. and and that was the decision to stop to stop living small mm. and to live into my strengths and my power and all of the glorious and stuff that is me. So it was a real personal transformation mm. where I went, actually, I could be doing so much better, bigger, different and being more authentic, you know, that, that search towards coherence. So that one was a real personal transformation growth moment, mm. but that wasn't about pain because I was pretty comfortable playing small. Um, you know, there was, there was not much pain there. So, yeah. you know, which, which makes me wonder around motivations and why people come to a point to go, actually, yeah, I want to, I want to do something different. I want to learn something about how to do this. Mm. Gillian, have you got any thoughts based on what you've seen with the people who have come forward to your physical, um, you know, your, I don't know what we're calling them, your, your real world, your, your, your Avignon, your <laughs> Kenya, your... In person. In person, uh, yes. In person, before times. It's <laughs> before times. Yeah, I think listening to this and and those experiences, I mean, one of the things that I've experienced myself and seen in others is what I describe as sort of what I what I feel is like pushing and pulling you know the being mm. pushed into a new space which is the pain the no I, I don't want that I, I and and I think for a lot of people that no is the strongest driver mm. it's the way that you say you know the endings the and then I think for a lot of us, we get then pushed into a sort of, okay, I don't have a firm and yes, I want this. I just know mm -hmm. I don't want that, but I really don't have a firm. Yes. You know, now I know I want to do A, B or C. Um, I think there are those people who are very pulled um, by like, yes, yes, yes. I want a, a new physical place. I want a new job. I want a new relationship, but my own, total anecdotal observation of those who've come through my programs is that oftentimes that no is a much stronger immediate kind of um, motivation to move into unknown. Mm -hmm. um, I think for most humans, just chasing yes um, is scary because mm -hmm. there will be nobody to tell you that it's the right decision. Nobody is going to pat you on the back and say, absolutely you're doing the right thing because you don't know. Whereas if you're in a bad relationship or a shitty job or whatever, everybody says, yeah, get out of that. You know, no, mm -hmm. that's terrible. Move on. So mm -hmm. 
I think that the movement into the new, when that's a pull by something that you often cannot put voice to, right? And Mm -hmm. so it's hard to sit down over a drink with a girlfriend and say, you know, I've decided I'm playing big now. Like, okay. (laughs) What does that mean? What does that look like? What? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think some of Big Bounds is around, you know, you mentioned a few minutes ago, Celine, sort of um, honing the muscles and the ability to, even when you can't describe it or make sense of it or validate it for an external audience, you listen to it, not to go tumbling into some reckless and, you know, hugely risky situation where you bet your house on something, but to simply carry forward listening to that sense of, you know, something, there's something other here. I mean, for me, just often geographic, my own patterns are, I'm super aware that I, like you guys, leap into new places happily. Um, Going to South Africa when I was 21 years old, much to my family's horror, was probably the biggest one. And I learned a lot whilst in South Africa, taking every assignment I could get to go to places where I didn't have a clue what I was going to do was just this constant, you know, muscle building of it's okay to step in physically and creative. I I wrote a book. Um, I've written a play. Nobody knows much about either of them. Nobody gives a damn, really. It didn't matter. The point was that I had something I felt I needed to express. So for me, kind of geographic and creative leaps come really naturally. Mm -hmm. Um, Other ones, um, interpersonal, uh, relational, more kind of practical, I'm not as as drawn into those. So I, I think... For me, it's about beginning to understand how you operate and then and then helping yourself along on a path mm-hmm. where you, you move a little closer and closer to what it is that, that feels right. Mm-hmm. So the way forward on this program is very much about experiential learning. Um, I'm wondering... Celine, your experience with experiential learning versus other modes of learning, have you got thoughts on on what's worked, what hasn't, you know, benefits yeah. or not? It's, 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 at least for me, it's, it's the, the best way of learning. I, I learn way more when my whole self is involved in the learning. <laughs> it means my, you know, my, my body, my emotions, my, you know, what I eat, what I, the efforts I need to make to, to learn a new language, for example, because otherwise <laughs> I won't be able to, 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 to find a place to stay. Um, so experiential learning is, uh, is really involves the, the the whole self, the 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 rational, the emotional aspect of oneself, which makes it uh, yeah, the, the the more a more holistic experience, but also a more um, um, it contributes to yeah to how you grow completely, not just how your brain you know gets new ideas. Um, you you grow as a person, you grow you know um, your understanding of the world your ethics your um you behave differently so it's uh, learning is uh has too often been uh 
limited to books or online courses. <laughs> and it's very different, I believe, at least for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jill, your, your thoughts on that? Yes, to everything Celine said. I, I think, um, you know, I referenced my work on HIV AIDS and I think that's where my own beliefs around experiential learning came from because it was exactly what we didn't do. <laughs> we, we lined people up and told them what mm. they should be doing um, and then we sort of scratched our heads when it didn't happen. Um, mm. So for me, my belief in experiential learning is born of many years of sedentary analytical change activities. Um, I, I think that the fact that we've reduced our capability so completely into this, uh, you know, cognitive space that we've limited so much of the rest of ourselves um, is so unfortunate because I think the two domains in which we actually begin to access more of ourselves are, as you described, Celine, physical. Mm. Um, you know, what happens when I start to kind of get in touch with my reactions, my emotions, all the things that are my internal kind of guides to that pushing and pulling, that yes and no, um, my emotional self, and then my creative self. Yeah. Yeah, we're incredibly whole people until we sit down at a desk and, you know, start being tested for what we know. Mm. And then we take jobs based on what is usually a fairly narrow description of our expertise. Mm. And then we're encouraged yeah. just to stay in that space for a very long time until mm. it reaches a point where you ask, you know, an adult to do something creative. And it's like, you're weird for doing that. Like, yeah. Why are you asking me to do that? As though it's, you know, a fourth arm that just, you know, is is dangling out there unused. And so I think, you know, normalizing and, and really um, fully bringing back into the fold as adults all the capabilities we have should be something that's regarded as completely standard um, mm -hmm. rather than a little bit wonky because we're not sitting there talking about big ideas. Um, as you can see, I feel pretty passionately about it. And, and that the passion is born of, you know, really, honestly, my own sense of all the stuff in my life that hasn't worked mm. because it was just leaning far too heavily on, you know, cognitive solutions to things that were not cognitive challenges. They were much deeper than that and much more than that. And yet we never even got into those places. So I'm super excited to be in this space now of really frontier work around how do we bring the whole self into growth and change. Um, mm. I think yeah. it's Look, and I, and I guess I have to say that's my vulnerability in this space, right? Because um, I'm really comfortable with cognitive thinking and cognitive assessment and, you know, <laughs> I... I um, in terms of experiential learning, I'm, I'm really challenged by it from a time horizon perspective. You know, um, there is part of me which wants to go, tick, oh. done, learnt this, that's great. Mm. But what I know from experiential learning is it can often be a couple of years before you actually yeah. embody that learning, that it takes time to take root and to seed and to transform that we can't which is so frustrating for the control freak within right because i i would be much more comfortable if i could sit in front of you and you could just download the information that i need and i would <laughs> you know 
tick the boxes. But here's the interesting thing that, which is the reason why we're still together, Jill, and it's okay, and I'm going to lean into the discomfort of this space, is over, over the last couple of years, you know, I've, um, I've picked up the paintbrushes and have been working in painting and um, life drawing and things like that. And mm. what I found was really interesting, I was chatting to a woman one night in art class and she, we were talking about our backgrounds, where we came from, and I said, no, I've been doing this for six months now. And she said, oh, that's really interesting. Have you found that that's changed the way you work? And I was really taken aback by the question because, like, for me, painting is just fun and it's just play. I don't have any other agenda with it. I go there to play. And then I stopped and I went, this has probably been my most productive six months with new ideas, new products, new services and creativity. Yeah. And I went, Wow. I hadn't even. Wow. Yeah. Connected. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's oh. experiential learning. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. If that's... I actually look back, I go, I wasn't doing this stuff 12 months ago. Um, yeah. Hmm. And, and they were all good new products, new services, new, you know, they were all successful. They were all yeah. really well-formed, commercially yeah. successful kind of stuff I was doing. And isn't that interesting, you know, yeah, um, yeah. as opposed to sit in a three-day masterclass of how to create a new product? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you talk, you talk about time and the time it takes, and, yes, it's true. And at the same time, there's a, there's a, a pivoting moment, which is also in itself a, a bound, a big bound, uh, the, taking the decision to do something different. Um, even before this something, you know, is over, has been done, is completed, but making this, you know, putting yourself in, into uh, in balance for a moment and, and taking a leap, mm. it, it can happen in a second, but it's already a huge, huge change, a huge experience of, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. I like that phrase, putting yourself into imbalance, because that mm. that that feeling, you know, if, if you can kind of crystallize that feeling yeah. is the place that most of us are deeply uncomfortable being, obviously, because we're afraid, right? Yes. Um, and I think that in some ways, and this, Jen, I'm looking forward to continuing to explore with you in the months ahead, I think is the space that in creative spaces, we do without necessarily experiencing it the same way. So there isn't, you know, the yep. you're constantly moving into something new and creating and, and there's uncertainty wrapped into the whole exercise um, and, and an imbalanced state. So dare I use the word joyous, it's so delightful to be doing it that you're, you know, that you don't feel threatened by it. You, mm. you simply mm -hmm. feel, oh, well, this is, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'm simply creating something new. So how we begin to experience a known uncertainty imbalance in ways that don't, you know, threaten us, but actually begin to exercise a piece of us that's, um, that's there already waiting to be used in different situations um, is what's really exciting. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
Totally. Yeah. So I I, I just uh, uh, took a book from uh, from my bookshelf out, out yeah. uh, behind me. It's a book that's been with me for a long time, like many years. I think I read it in, when I was like in my t- early twenties. It's called Adventure, the Passion of Detours, and um, and some of those sentences resonated with me so strongly they've been with me for all this time Um, one of them says uh, adventure takes place outside of routine or or marked routes the exaltation it arouses comes from this razor's edge path that gives the adventurer at all times an acute conscience of being alive Uh, and it continues by saying rather than an event Adventure is an advent in the sense that its duration gives birth to a new person transfigured by by circumstances foreign to dullness. And this is, this is, this (laughs) is it, you know, exploration and, and being alive, you know, and that's, uh, we we can't waste (laughs) what we have, what we've been given by chance. We have only one life. We can't waste it. You know, it's our responsibility to explore it to the fullest i have goosebumps from that it's not often that you can find someone who can quote whole paragraphs from a book they read 25 years ago right (laughs) that's amazing that's amazing okay we need to uh wrap this one up um so for the listeners if you are now curious about the big bounds program we're kicking them off september 30 the best place to go to is antakarafrontiers.com um, or reach out to Gillian or myself and we can, we're happy to give you more information about it. Um, Celine, perhaps to your final thoughts on exploratory leadership and why we, why we need it now. We are all into this huge exploration of the pandemic and the new world and what to do with that. And the more we, uh, we, we, we grab our past uh, to give us answers about the future, the, 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 less, uh, the less we'll be able to actually do something uh, really useful and, and, uh, and hopeful for all of us. So we have to invent. There's no other way. We have to invent new ways. We have to be, um, I wouldn't say at ease, but uh, less afraid of the unknown. So it's... It's a it's a must for this new world and this all these things that's happening to us. There's no other way. Uh, so let's take it joyfully, as you said, and, and creatively. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So on a moment of joyful creativity, Jill, what have you got to, to finish this off with? Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> what an exciting moment it is to be launching this in a world where, as you've just described, Celine. It's, um, I think it gives us the opportunity to create those new paths. And those might be paths that are in our own lives and no one else will know about them, but they'll take us to a new place or our family or our team and our colleagues, or, you know, if we're operating on another scale, it might take us collectively um, into some new places that um, I think are just waiting there, right? I mean, I feel like we all have this edgy, that razor's edge that you're talking about, Celine. I don't think you can be alive right now and not feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, it's scary, but it's also so exciting to think that if we um, leverage everything that we're capable of, do we have the opportunity right now 
to move off from that razor's edge into some really exciting new ways of seeing and of relating to each other and of working and you know and creating new things for ourselves for our colleagues and for our, our families so um I, I i feel the moment and i i feel it pretty much on a daily basis so um so i think it's for us to take it and to 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 leap into it Excellent, excellent. Listeners, I hope that you have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I know I have. It's been a real treat this week. Um, I will have in the show notes um, a number of the links and resources we've talked about. If you are not connected or, or following Celine, please do. She is one of the most extraordinary leaders of change out there and um, never fails to bring forward content and real thought leadership in this space so um celine thank you once again for making the time to chat with us um that's three times on the podcast it's pretty (laughs) special and Gillian, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast Mm, it's a pleasure thank you for having me and great to be in conversation with both of you you've been listening to a conversation of change with dr jen Fram. You can find many more resources on leading change at my website, drjenfram.com. I welcome feedback on what else you'd like to hear on the podcast. Why not connect with me on Twitter at Jen Fram or LinkedIn? 